not to fight this boss that's super hard, but don't worry, I'm going to walk you through. As long as you have this particular ability that you should have now, you'll be able to beat him fairly easily. I was like, what ability? And I went back and looked up on the internet, and it was like, oh, did you not use this one move on this one boss that you only had, like, ten minutes to fight? Because otherwise, this whole part of the game is broken now, and you'll never get that power back until the very end of the game. This is the Big Bang Theory Theory. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And we have talked about Final Fantasy a lot on this show. Yeah, I think all but 30 seconds of it is going to be stripped out so people don't have to deal with me getting mad about materias and and drawing and all sorts of other garbage like that. Instead, we need to talk about this high-quality television show that we watch every other week. Yeah, this masterpiece of a show. Yeah, and then we pick apart why we don't like it or why we do like it. We don't know. The show kind of just doesn't have a format anymore. <laughs> yep. I did like this one. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you want to do the summary for this one, or should I go ahead? I'll do... I mean, the summary is very easy, but first, you know, we never... Because I don't think we were keeping track back in the beginning, so we never celebrate, but if my math is right, we're on our... We're starting our third year. Starting our third year, yes. Of we've, the, we've gone two full years. Yes. We yeah. had our second year anniversary sometime probably in December and did mm-hmm. nothing... Did not say anything Didn't about it. Didn't acknowledge it one bit. Because totally we're professionals. Forgot. We don't need special holidays. We just need to produce content. Slang intent. That's all I do around here. But here we go. Into our third year. We've been on the third season for a while. In this episode, Leonard and Penny uh, and Sheldon have a whole conflict because... Uh, Leonard gets invited to go see the... Is it the Large Hadron Collider? It is definitely the Large Hadron Collider, or as I could not help but read it uh, for years and years because I have a juvenile mind, is the Large Hardon Collider. Oh, my God. Not an intentional thing. Hadron is not a real word compared to Hardon. <laughs> All right, you 12-year-old bastard. Can't help it. Anyway, anyway yes. So he's it's invited... Certain. At CERN, which is in Switzerland, so he's getting to go to Switzerland, and he decides that he's going to take his girlfriend, you know, they'll see the collider, but also he'll be able to fuck her in a fancy Swiss hotel room. Except, for some reason, Sheldon has just assumed that he's going to be brought along. Well, because I think his logic, his, the way they play it in the show is a little weird with how quickly he jumps to his assumption, but his, his feeling that Penny is not going to enjoy or appreciate the significance of seeing this tech technological scientific marvel and is mostly going to enjoy like the experience of traveling out of the country whereas sheldon cooper this is like a once in a lifetime experience to really bask at like a scientific mecca and of course leonard would understand that and pick him instead kind of makes sense um makes a certain amount of sense anyway it makes sense that sheldon might be upset about it It doesn't make sense the lengths to which he goes to try to coerce Leonard into changing his pick after he has already told him that he's taking Penny and not him. And I can't remember if you brought this up already or not, but it's very important to point out that this is also in the context of the trip occurring on Valentine's Day. You're absolutely right. That's important as well. That's the big thing. It's like, yes, we're going to spend Valentine's Day in Switzerland. That would be cool. Why would you spend Valentine's... If you spent Valentine's Day in Switzerland with your roommate, no matter how good a scientist he is, it would be a little weird. There'd be kissing. Well, there might... So, fast forward to the end, after a large, there's a lot of back and forth, back and forth, Penny, or Sheldon actually convinces Penny that she should talk Leonard into letting him go, but Leonard, Leonard puts his foot down, he's like, no, fuck that, we're going to Switzerland, it's the first time I think we ever see him really stand up conclusively to Sheldon, and like, he's gonna get his way, uh, but then, you know, deus ex machina, Penny gets the flu, and then, uh, 
Sheldon gets the flu because he yeah. touched her once. Well, and that's so Leonard caves after Penny gets the flu and says, well, fine, Sheldon, you win. I guess you're coming with. And then Sheldon runs out of the bathroom from barfing to go, oh, joy, before he realizes that he's too sick to go himself. So the B plot of this episode, which was not very much, was Raj hanging around like Charlie Brown the whole episode because he's the only one who has no one to spend Valentine's Day with. And he's always kind of bummed out on that day, which, trust me, Raj, I get it. But don't be a little bitch. Mm-hmm. Um Raj is one of those guys that wanders around hallways just yelling at strange, like strangers, saying like, "Oh, hey, Happy Singles Awareness Day, am I right?" <laughs> oh God, yes. Anyone who ever uses that term should be shot. In the street. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say that, but or, or was this I a have, new like, thing for you? That well, I just maybe, said? Oh, maybe I black it out every year. But that does seem like the side thing I would hate someone if they said. But anyway, so jump to the end of the episode. Who's the only person that is now available to take to Switzerland? Raj. So the episode ends with Raj and Leonard in a in a romantic hotel room with flowers and champagne and little, little chocolates. chocolates and Raj is having the time of his life and one can assume there's at least some making out after the camera cuts away at the end yeah i mean i bet just just so leonard can go home thinking that he took full advantage of the room they don't have to have sex but they do have to embrace each other while in the bed at least so oh, they yeah. can have the feeling of another body against yeah, you yeah you bracing against you gotta, the cold what's the point of going to switzerland if you're not going to cuddle with somebody yeah you know that's it. just cuddling they can have good chaste cuddling and that would be good enough except leonard would still have to feel a little bit horny because he'd be thinking about penny while it was happening but still but still yes so that was the episode how are you feeling about it you actually liked it well, I mean, my brain is basically broken right now, I think. But, uh, yeah, it was fine. It Should was... we just address why your brain no, is broken? we don't have to. Go... We'll get into it at the end of the episode. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> For probably far longer than you would like. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was basically your classic oppositional comedy. You know, it was a solid plot line. It's, like I said, the way they set it up is weird because, uh... Leonard is sitting at lunch, and he's like, well, I'm going to Switzerland. I get to take one person. And Sheldon literally is like, oh, great. I'll go pack. And he jumps up and runs out of the room. Yeah. And is that part, you know. And Wallowitz stops to explain, like, oh, you're going to have to have a long talk with him when you get home. And then that triggers. You know, this one is weird is that it's. You said there was a little bit of a B-plot, but I don't even know if it really counts as B-plot with what's going on with Raj. I feel like it's a tight way straight through where this episode doesn't really have non sequiturs or throwaway jokes everything actually does serve the plot maybe that's part of the reason that you enjoyed it a bit more i found myself i found this episode just kind of like washing over me like like bland pudding um like i didn't have any complaints about it but not, none of it really got to me except for uh i don't know i really like seeing miserable sick penny uh, I don't know why I like her more when she's surly, but I do. You you appreciate attractive women more when they're vulnerable and helpless? She wasn't vulnerable or helpless. She was just in a weakened state, you know? <laughs> that's that's all it takes. I appreciate I appreciate the vulnerability on a personal level, not on a serial killer level. Okay. But so if it came to it, if I you're if like I one were of, one of you're the like, de- Yeah, one of those guys who gets an erection when he sees a woman in a cast. Whoa, is that a thing? I've, it's definitely a... Uh, I don't know if it's a real thing. It's a thing I've like I've that seen as a characterization. A I like that a lot. <laughs> I mean, I don't like it a lot. I just like that it exists. There's some, some weirdo out there who's like, Oh, man, I'm as hard as that plaster is right now. Oh, baby. Uh, 
Anyway, um, I did like, I think my favorite part of this episode was Sheldon's passive aggressive after like Leonard really is like, no, I'm not taking you. Sheldon is like, all right, but we are no longer friends and I'm going to express my displeasure at every turn, including, I think there's a great moment in the car where he's like, let's play a game. I'm going to name three historical traitors and you're going to rank them. In order of, you know, who was the most, whose yeah. betrayal was the most heinous? Benedict Arnold, Judas, and Leonard Hofstadter. Go. And who does he choose? Well, of course, he, he he's like, well, let's put it this way. At least Judas had the decency to hang himself after his betrayal. But I'm ching. That is a great joke. It's not bad. It's not he bad. also, and it's also actually a great callback, too, because in the cafeteria, instead of eating lunch with Leonard, he just deposits 30, 30 pieces, pieces of, of silverware on his tray and then walks away. Oh, and that's another thing, too, is I guess um, we haven't really addressed why this is a betrayal, because, like, you'd think that Leonard has no obligation to bring Sheldon to the, the CERN uh, Large Hadron Collider, but apparently in, in their formalized written roommate agreement, there's the agreement that if ever one of them got to go to see the, the Large Hadron Collider, that he was obligated to bring the other, and I feel like the consequences of not bringing Sheldon totally do not in any way outweigh the benefits of just going with Penny. Because Sheldon brings up things like, oh, you know, what What about things that I've wanted to do that I haven't because of the roommate agreement? Like, practice my, whatever it is, throat singing. Tuvan throat singing. Tuvan throat singing. I, I, I don't know what that is either. I mean, he it demonstrates multiple times, but I don't really... I've, I've heard of it before, and I think it's like you're able to sing in like two different tones at once. Yes, you're activating like multiple levels of your vocal cords at the same time or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like... So what if Sheldon wants to do that? That's that seems like such a minor annoyance compared to having like cool. It's snowy outside, so let's have cocoa and fuck kind of thing. Like yes, as 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 Penny points out, special underwear sex. That's definitely yeah, um, and special underwear that I assume are signed to be sexy and not to like help catch your feces because you have the flu or something like that. I don't know. Yes, I, I, I think that is the implication in, in the episode. <laughs> There, there are several types of special underwear. We can't always just assume they're sexy underwear. It could be Mormon magic underwear, for all we know. She goes out of her way to imply that it is sexy underwear. Leonard doesn't figure it out at first. He needs a little guidance. Yes. Um, I should have just said sexy underwear. I don't know why I had to say... Sp- You're right. Saying special underwear. That was a weird choice on my part. That yeah, had, especially when you raise your eyebrow and twiddle your fingers together and go, special underwear. I did not... Let the record show I did not do that. Hey, this is not a visual medium, and I think you did. So who's who's going to say what happened? So, yeah. So that happens. It sure does. Um, and then what's the other? Oh, so the other thing Sheldon tries to do is he tries when he can't, uh, when he can't, like, Oh, yeah, I was going to say, the roommate agreement thing is also just, I mean, I get why they wanted to bring that back in, because it's like a piece of continuity, but also, it's just funny that they can't just address it like on an emotional level. Sheldon can't just say, oh, hey, I would like to go to this thing, and I've always wanted, like, that's basically what he tells Penny in the end, he's like, I've been dreaming, well, actually, he does, I guess he does specifically say this to Leonard, he 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 says, I've wanted to do this, go here since I was 10. It's just, he does it in such a matter-of-fact kind of way, I think, is the problem. Like, if, if Sheldon were to, like, and, you know, of course, he never do this, but if he were to, like, let his guard down for a moment and be like, hey, this just means a lot to me. And I thought that we had this agreement, like, 
between us for a long time. And just to go ahead and abandon the agreement just because it serves you conveniently now, like, that's a really rude and hurtful thing to do. Yeah, I mean, there is, like, a real... Like, to be honest, this particular situation, maybe it doesn't feel like betrayal to me because I would totally... Like, if we were in this exact scenario, I feel like I would understand someone taking his girlfriend and not me on a trip. No, 100%. But... (laughs) The roommate agreement is meaningless. But, um... I can think of, or I can't think of an exact, but I can understand feeling like if, like, I had a friend and he was going to do something, like, we had wanted to do something cool together, and he was like, I'm actually, change of plans, I'm not doing that cool thing with you, I'm doing it with my girlfriend, and who I just, you know, who I haven't been in a relationship with that long compared to our friendship, Mm -hmm. that might upset me. Yeah. I'm not sure I would react the way Sheldon reacts, but I guess that would upset me. Well, Sheldon doesn't, like, he he doesn't, like do what he would normally do, which is exact some sort of complicated plan for nefarious vengeance. I did think that was where it was going to go. Yeah, there's a like moment when he brings breakfast in bed. Yes, yeah. so there's a moment when he's trying to, after just like invoking legalism doesn't work, he's like well maybe I can appeal to, you know Leonard's humanity by being a good friend for once and, you know, showing that I can make sacrifices and be a decent person too, and he brings him breakfast in bed. Um, yeah. And Leonard's mistake, by the way, in that scenario was telling him, I see through your ruse too soon because he should have finished the breakfast yeah. and been like, that was delicious. Apparently, uh, Still not taking you to Switzerland. Sheldon made him pancakes in the shape of Frodo and he never got to enjoy them. They were taken away too soon. Mm. Yeah. That was a tactical error on his part. But anyway, I was totally like, oh, I get what's really going on here. He's poisoning him. Yeah, he should have. Po- you know, that would have been so much better if the reason they all got the flu is because I, I for a yeah, second, thought, I totally thought that, that Sheldon too. intentionally got sick so he could sabotage the whole thing. Well, I did. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a great reveal. Penny has the flu because Sheldon exposed her to some kind of virus that he stole from a lab at the yeah. university, but he accidentally contaminated himself in the process. When you go to war to Sheldon, the only way to win is not to play. That's what it is. That would have been great. But no, it just had to be that Penny gave Sheldon the flu because she just somehow got it and was contagious without having the symptoms for a while. Like, that's yeah. no fun. Nothing interesting comes from that. Nope. You're not wrong. Except, you know, little pet peeve, pedantic moment. Uh, the flu is uh, shown in this episode by uh, Sheldon and Penny both off screen, heard barfing into the toilet. Uh, but the flu, as is, is not a stomach illness, and stomach symptoms are really not that common with it. There's, there's no, the gastrointestinal flu is completely separate from the flu, which gives you terrible body aches and, and weakness, um, and, and, well, those are the big things. You ache and you can't move. I started to say, I've definitely, I mean, I don't think it's happened, but I definitely, if someone had like a fever and diarrhea, I would assume that was we would call that the flu. I get, but it's not actually the flu. In not the, the flu. Thank you. You're right. It's, it was important it's, that we it's raised a it. tummy bug. That's oh. my moment of pedantry. Fair yeah. enough. Thank you. I just hate having the flu so much that every time I see the flu misportrayed, I'm like, that's not what it is. Because <laughs> yeah. having the flu feels like death. Yes. Anyway, I haven't got a flu shot this year, so. Hopefully, I won't be feeling like death anytime soon. I haven't either. Is this a bad moment to mention that someone I've been working with was recently sent hospitalized and diagnosed with the flu? You mentioned to me yesterday that you were with somebody with the flu, and I said, you're going to give me the flu, aren't you, you son of a bitch? And now here we are, just Sheldon and pennying each other. Yes, that's true. I, if I thought I was contagious, you know, it's been like 48 hours now, 72. How long does it take before the symptoms start to we're show We're dead up? is how long it takes. That's what's going on. <laughs> You ever read The Stand? I'm reading The Stand right now, but you want to know what? What? I don't think I like 
it. Well, it's a Stephen I'm... King book. It's like all of his books. You have to you have to be okay with like month long digressions and the things that have nothing yeah. to do with the main plot. I'm I'm a quarter of the way through it, and I just it's not grabbing me, and I feel bad because this is the first Stephen King book I've ever tried to read. Yeah, that was a mistake. Well, I heard it was his best work. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll read something shorter to like kind of get me into his flavor. Or the it, or it, you know, it has like killer clowns and shit. That's more your speed. I guess so. You know, I don't know. cosmic battles of good and evil between like weird like antichrist figures and like an old black woman with magical negro powers. That's like, that's not really. Is that really where you want to start? I mean, you're right. To a lot of people, it's considered his best book, and I like it. But I don't understand why people think it's his best book. I don't know either. It's uh, I don't know what I would. Well, it is my favorite of his. I don't know what I, like I would not like try to pin down what his his best written book is. That seems like a anyway. Sorry, drift off track there. I don't remember what the hell you we were talking about. Uh, yeah, that's basically the whole episode. Yeah, yeah, we kind of covered everything. Is there anything we missed that happened? Any any jokes? I don't think so. I miss Wallowitz being gross. I know that's wrong to say, but now that he's in a relationship with Bernadette, he's so much less sex predatory that he doesn't really serve a purpose. Yes, that's true. He's just like, just like, oh, like he's, he's smug and annoying, but he's smug and annoying in a way that like we have all had that friend who has, who's like a little too into having a girlfriend and just makes yeah. it his whole Yeah, sorry, identity. I couldn't make it over. I was too busy making out with my girlfriend again for the fifth night in a row. And everyone's like, yeah, that's what you do. We get it. That's, yeah. We're all living a life without you and it's fine. <laughs> well, I do feel like we kind of exhausted this. So let's start wrapping up okay. and get to our favorite nerd thing of the week. But first... Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, find us on social media. Okay, now, do you want to go first or shall I? I'll definitely need to go second. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm worried about how pumped you are about this. I'm going to keep mine short. Um, I'm going to recommend something that I did not expect to like nearly as much as I did, but this last week I watched um, the Transformers Bumblebee movie. And let me tell you, that movie is incredible. There's these robots, right? They're Transformers, and they come to Earth... And you're like, what are they doing here? And you know what the movie does? It explains to you what they're doing there. They're not these mysterious cosmic entities that really don't, that, that, who have like these inscrutable plot lines. And who have been here since the dawn of time, fighting in all our major historical wars, yet somehow not in any major public photographs or stories. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it said like the whole movie starts on Cybertron. The uh, uh, Autobots are getting their asses kicked by the Decepticons, and so they have to... Which is canon. Is canon. They have to flee in a last-ditched effort to uh, not be completely eradicated. And uh, Bumblebee, in the early 80s, is the one that they send to Earth, and he's supposed to, like, establish a base so that the other Transformers can meet him once he's, like, created a little bit of a safe haven there. And a couple of the Decepticons are able to follow his signal to Earth, and so that's, that's it. Like, Bumblebee is just trying to, like... Oh, and also he gets the he gets the shit beat on him so badly that he essentially gets robot amnesia, and so he uh, he lands uh, on Earth. He takes the uh, form of a VW Beetle, and he is discovered by a surly eighteen year old girl who's just misses her dad who died and wants to like work on cars and has a family that doesn't understand her. And you know what? She's a teen just going through stuff. And you know what? I used to be a teen going through stuff. And I watched it and I'm like, I understand your motivations. <laughs> You're not like Sam Witwicky who's just like, Shia LaBeouf, I don't know what's going on. Like, yeah. she's just a fucking... Well, like, his motivations was he wanted to he fuck really, Megan. He really, really wanted to fuck Megan Fox. Meg- like, well, and that's actually something that I really liked about this movie is it kind of like subverts most like 
teen crushes where like a guy is interested in her and an age appropriate guy who like is just like friendly and wants to ask her out who's not like a total creepo and her reaction is like you know i don't know if i really need a boyfriend just right now but like and so they're like friends and it's fine and i think they like they hug at some point because it's cute uh and then he tries to hold her hand and she's like hey buddy slow it down and i'm Uh, like way to go teen movie that's sjw bullshit right there that's Oh. Oh. So what you're really saying this movie is for cucks is what I'm hearing. The dude is a total cuck. That's true. <laughs> he's he's as beta as it gets. But you know what? A little beta babe like me. Oh, I loved it. I loved the movie. It, I'm really looking forward to watching it. Star, is Starscream the closest it has to a big bad? Did I understand that right? Or is there a separate... Or is I, it Soundwave? I, so I don't even remember if they use those Decepticons' names directly at any point. They might, but I don't recall it. But... Uh, so the Transformers are shockingly um, pared down in this one to like to the point where they so right, like it's only like two or three right yeah it's it's only a few of them and instead of like turning from like giant scary robotic abominations into uh, futuristic super cool machines instead like they come to Earth one scans a jet the other scans a helicopter. And so they can turn into a jet and a helicopter. Or they, they scan a couple muscle cars. They spend most of the time in the movie as scary muscle cars, just driving around looking for Bumblebee. Yes. And that so... Is, that, again, much closer to the actual original premise of Transformers. Yeah. It's, um... Like, I've, I've, so I've seen two of the original Transformers movies. I've seen the first one. I've seen the third. And they're both just nonsense. Yeah. Just, just trash. And so, like, to have maybe it's because my expectations are so low, but the movie really did have an effect on me. Where it's like, it's not something that had like a profound effect, but it was like, it was just such a pleasant experience. And to see that like one of these movies can be competently made, and no, it's it, not it, just it you. A lot of people really like that movie. A yeah. lot of people thought it was really good. It's no but, Alita Battle Angel. Let me tell you that. But, oh man, uh, you got to watch that movie. It's great. Okay. Well, I have no. You know what? I'm gonna get off. I'm about. To, I'm climb way down off my high horse with what I'm about to say. So I have no. All right. Well, I'm, that's my recommendation: is Transformers, Bumblebee. Uh, it's it's just a fun, good, uh, very clean movie, <laughs> and uh, I like it a lot. Yeah, just watch it. Watch it. Watch the goddamn movie. Kyle, your turn. I got a feeling. I know what it's gonna be, but we'll you see. You know what it's gonna be. Oh, baby, here we come. Here we go. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. This whole episode has really just been a trap so that I can talk about cats. Uh, So me and my friend here, Nick, and another friend of ours, we all decide, well, basically. Two out of three of us, Nick Hyde not included. it It was sort of a cascading wave. So I had already decided that I had no interest in seeing cats when a friend of mine who was in the uh, super into musical theater and super into cats in a way I don't think I truly understood was like we have to go see this movie and I was like okay so once she had convinced me to go see this movie we roped in Nick and so that was three people representing like I think the full three ends of the spectrum of like understanding and ex- like we were like a perfect like cardinal scale in terms of like our understanding and like our enthusiasm for the plot of cats with Nick being a one and our other friend being like a ten, and that was like a solid five, somewhere in the middle. Apprehensive, hopeful, but you know I knew better than to expect much. And let me tell you, what a batshit <laughs> movie! What an absolute 
bonkers experience. I can't, in good conscience, call it a good movie. No. But I also can't call it... It's not like one of those so bad it's good movies. No, it's just... All. It is what it is. And it is It is so... It makes... Oh, I don't even... This is what's great. This is why people are really... Ha- this is why you have a fun... To understand it, you have to see it. That's really the only way. And then once you have seen it, you can't stop thinking about it. And the experience really is as bizarre as you might imagine going to see it. Um, but also surprisingly fun if you're in, like, a fun audience. Uh, I don't even know where to s- start with this. Well, when you, say, when you say fun audience, do you mean group of assholes who I liked, but who were very obnoxiously laughing through most of the movie, such that uh, an older couple got up and stormed out of the theater with the woman saying, this is bullshit. Yes. Uh, that that kind of fun, I guess. Yeah, and people with cat ears who presumably were the, very much into it. But uh, Oh, God, yeah. I, I think they're very much into a lot of things. <laughs> but no, um, where, so, yeah, so it's a, it's a show based, it's a movie based on a musical based on a book of poetry and as as a review I was reading the other day pointed out very well it's like you have to understand that no point in anywhere in that process was anyone trying to make anything coherent like the poems are not designed to make sense in the first place they're entirely jokes the musical you know while huge amounts of money spent on it does not have a plot no <laughs> and then the movie just it's just like it's not it makes such specific choices. That's here's here's what I'm gonna say. You may have to edit this down because I've been rambling for a while. But basically, here's what I'm trying to get to: is the movie. It's amazing for how strikingly specific all of the choices it makes are, and how boldly it commits to those choices, despite the fact that none of them make any sense. How do you mean, Kyle? It's, I mean, like, you know, it's like, here's a character, and this character is, sometimes they walk, sometimes they randomly crawl. Here's a close-up of them crawling. Why did they start crawling in this scene when heretofore the cats have all been walking on two legs? We don't know. Now they're walking on four legs. None of the cats, except for Taylor Swift, have boobs for some reason, but yeah. they do all have the most well-formed and pointy butts you've ever seen. <laughs> yes. And they, you know, they all look at each other like they're constantly planning on fucking. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> horny movie. And it's just like, and one of them, you know, in easily. So I will say, if you're going to go see it, it does have a rough, well, I'm not sure for many people it probably has a rough beginning, middle, and end. But for me, I found that the beginning was easily the roughest. First off, because it takes about 20 to 30 minutes for your brain just to adjust to the fact that these are cats with yeah. people faces. And the very first, like, close-up you get of a cat with a person's face, your brain just goes into panic mode. And it takes a good 15, 20 minutes, which is fortunately about the opening number um, to totally bounce back. But you, by the end of the opening number, and the follow-up, like, here's all the different ways cats think about themselves monologue thing, you're mostly through that. But then they really double... Probably the worst choice in the whole movie was to, like, lead into the the first cat is the Rebel Wilson cat, who is easily the most horrifying cat in the whole show on multiple levels. You like, mean just because she can take off her own skin whenever she chooses? <laughs> she can take off her own skin. She has her own private army of cockroach line dancers who she occasionally eats like a cannibal 
And who go to their deaths cheerfully dancing the whole time. Well, and she has the little choir of mice who have the face of children. <laughs> yeah. It does. It does when you say it like that. It sounds like we're making the... Like, it sounds like... It sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> like, it sounds like an a LSD, An LSD trip or like the ramblings of like a prophet who came down from the mountain. And lo, I saw the mice and they had the faces of children. Yeah. Well, that's another thing too is I've been hearing about people going to see this movie under all sorts of uh, various altered states. That sounds like such a dangerous thing to do. Because <laughs> yeah. this is just, like... It's already kind of a deep dive. Yeah. I think I would like to go back and see it again on edibles just so I can like have that moment where I just kind of start to lose focus and absorb everything in a different way um, but um yeah so the opening song yeah so that's rough and then the follow-up two songs are kind of meh at best but then interesting it started to come together for me around the time they introduced like there's this cool little duet of these like cat burglar cats and they they have a lot of fun and then they all go inside and it's basically from that point what was interesting was it like commits to the like basically the same staging as the show, which I don't know why they couldn't have just started there. It's like from here on in, most of the action is confined to this theater and takes place with like cats in the proscenium and cats on stage presenting themselves. We don't need any more context than this. And it was like, why didn't you just start here? Why did you do the whole like backstory thing? Why not have just opened up right here in this area where you're just introducing the different cool cats? Because this is working so much better now. Well, I think, and this is to be like sincere for a moment, I think if you were to do that, then you would have to reduce the movie back to being what the play is, is just the presentation of all the different cats. And I think you'd have I think you'd have to accept it just as a series of performances less than as a narrative film. Yeah, and so which is, it is, that's, I, I, so I don't think it is. And anybody who's trying to sell you that this, I realize that there is a story in it. Yeah, but they should have t- the the story was a mistake. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, but it it, it would be like if you were to film a ballet, but like not to ever explain to anyone the context that it is a ballet that they're going in expecting some sort of conventional movie, and then they would just be treated to a series of dancing. I feel like it it does try to hold your hand a little bit, but in holding your hand turns it even that much more bizarre. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Like I said, none of the, it's I shouldn't be trying to Monday morning quarterback this show because it's impossible because it's fine. It's it 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 strangely by the end it was totally working for me. Not nay. Like I guess what I'm trying to say is the movie is the word that as I was thinking about it today that comes to mind is gonzo, which is just like, you know, the the like you know if you've ever if you've ever read Gonzo journalism or watched Gonzo pornography you understand that context is sort of meaningless it's all you're all just there you're, it's just your brain you know processing the moment as it happens and that's basically my experience of cats it was like it, you know it like it, the other metaphor that I was playing with is it's like it's like the world's weirdest child, like showing you all of their toys for which they have overly <laughs> elaborate backstories that are like wildly tangential to what you would be expecting from like how the toys look or what their costumes are. It's like, oh yeah, here's Rum Tum Tugger. He really likes threesomes. Here's, uh, here's, um, uh, Skimbleshanks, the railway cat, who is very gay. Oh, yeah. That's so much more important than the railroad stuff, is that you understand just how gay Skimbleshanks truly is. He bursts onto the stage in a way that just announces it. And it's weird, because like, you wouldn't look and say, like, that's something that you would expect a gay person to do in a stereotypical way. 
He just has this energy about him where you're like, <laughs> yeah. whoa. Where he dives down into the theater in suspenders like, I'm here. Well, and his big six cat stash also. And he's like, I'm the conductor. And it's like, yeah. oh, boy, this is radical. <laughs> yeah. Here's old Deuteronomy, who's basically like your standard old wizard lady. But she has definitely fucked Gus the theater cat at oh, some yeah. point in the past. Yeah. Uh, Probably not even that long ago no. in the past. So it's just, it's all just like random, but it's fun. You know, once you commit to how bonkers all of that is, it's fun. And the music is fun. I think the real MVP, to be honest, is whoever uh, rearranged the mix and the music um, for the film version, because I was listening to the stage version earlier today by comparison. And it's, you know, it's designed, that's designed for a theater sound. And usually most movies, even when they convert it to like a film, they keep sort of like a theatrical feel to it. Like they try to keep the music feeling like kind of diegetic, like it's something that might be playing reasonably in the background. Like if you had like a house orchestra, but this is like, no, we're going full big budget. It's just like, there are going to be house beats all the time. Just, like, huge, like, house music playing in the background. Like, they're next door to a disco at all times. And it's just all going to be, like, poppy at twice the speed. And we're just going to randomly transition between different, you know, musical styles and tastes. And it's all, you're just going to deal with it. And I did. I liked it a lot. You know, I think part of it is that I've, you know, well, I can't even say... Because I wanted to say, well, like, I know there are theater kids who if I'm like, well, to really get cats, you just it's just about, you know, you have to be a theater. Like, they would stab me because cats was really upsetting to the theater community when it came out. Um, Nick is rubbing his nose on his microphone. Just, uh, I've got the kitty cat feel about me right now. That's fine. That's fine. You got to stretch your leg in the air and, you yeah, know. Give myself a little <laughs> rawr, rawr. Nice. Nice. Um. But it's definitely the whole show is basically it's like a it's like a tautology, right? It's like the main song is Jellicoe songs for Jellicoe cats because Jellicoes are what Jellicoes are. Are all cats Jellicoe cats? Yes, but also no. But then maybe mm-hmm. nobody knows. Yeah, They're you can just, only be a Jellicoe cat if you have Jellicoe qualities that all cats possess. <laughs> yes, if you are big or small or you know have stripes or maybe not stripes. Um, and it's just like okay. But that's, I think, the point. It's like if you're the type of person who's into, who can find themselves to like cats, then cats is a delightful experience that was designed just, that feels like it was designed just for you. If you're not that kind of person, it is going to be a very strange and disorienting experience. Although not necessarily a negative one, just like a journey into a club where you have obviously, like, this club was not built for you and you should probably leave, you know, in an hour at the most. It also helps if you sneak brownies into the film. Yes. Like, not magic brownies or anything. We you know, always had some brownies, and it was a nice time. That was good. But, yeah. So, not again, not saying Cats is a good... But here's... I saw another movie. I'm not even going to say which one, but it was, a, it was a movie that I'd been waiting a long time to see. It was a movie that, let's just... That was the end of a whole franchise of movies that I have I loved and identified with my whole life, and it totally let me down and broke my heart and left me kind of disappointed in the state of modern filmmaking and in the cowardice of filmmakers for just being able to, you know, fucking commit to some decisions that aren't that don't feel like they were focus grouped. And so I really feel like the antidote to that, oddly enough, was this movie that no one seemed to want, that no one would have possibly ever said was a good idea, that they somehow managed to... Someone still managed to spend like 200 million dollars making it and have all of these 
inexplicable yet bold decisions in it that probably didn't even make sense to them at the time they were doing it. And it went out and it exists in the world forever now.